Good morning. Welcome. It's uh, good to see you all here. Um, I don't know what you um, think about Christmas quizzes. They're sort of the things that are a little bit like Marmite. Some people love them. Some people hate them. So here's my Christmas quiz question for you. I'm not expecting an answer and I'm afraid there isn't a prize. But here's, here's the question. Why did Jesus come? I'm not saying what did he do when he came, but, but why on earth did Jesus leave heaven where everything was perfect and lovely and come here? So something to think about. I hope it won't distract you too much from the announcements. But I've got one for the children especially. The children's talk is going to be a bit later in the service. So you'll need to stay alert and wait until you're called up. Um, For those of you who uh, like not to send Christmas cards, there's a card that you can sign out here, and a number of us do that every year and uh, give the money we'd have spent on cards to charity. If you're um, a member of the church here, we've got our communion service this afternoon. If you've volunteered to uh, deliver some of the Forest Fold calendars, it would be great if you haven't already picked them up, if you could pick them up today. And then a little bit of an advance notice. Um, we've decided this New Year's Eve it would be great for us to get together to pray. So we're having a time of prayer on Saturday the 31st of December um, at about half past seven. So it would be great if as many of us could make that to give thanks to God for what he's done this year and to ask him for his help in the next. In a minute we're going to sing and then after that Paul Philpott's going to come and he's going to talk to us about the charity that we're supporting um, which supports Christians in a country where Many of us, well, I certainly, until quite recently, thought there weren't any. So um, we're looking forward to Paul coming and talking after we've come and praised our God as we remember that Jesus didn't just come, but he rose. So let's uh, stand and sing when the music starts. Come people of the risen King.
At 6am on Sunday, the 26th of December, 2010, the Islamic Iranian security forces launched a raid on 48 house churches in 20 cities across Iran. A key Iranian church leader named Fashid um, was visiting his in-laws in another city than his own when the police broke in. They arrested the local two leaders, but they failed to identify Fashid. After the two leaders had been taken away, the others were allowed to leave, but their phones had been confiscated. So Fashid, who had to take his two children to school, asked if he could have his phone back. Relieved, they gave it back to him. Relieved, because on his phone were contacts for several key leaders across Iran. He got into his car with his two children, his thoughts awhirl with what he should do and where he should go. A Christian contact in Turkey, sorry about this. A Christian contact in Turkey had told him that he, if he ever needed to get out of Iran, he should go to the Turkish border and this guy would help him get across. That was one option. But before he did anything, he had to drop off his two-year-old boy at kindergarten and his seven-year-old daughter at school. As he got out of the car, he sank to his knees and hugged them both. His daughter just hugged him silently. And then she said to him, Go, Daddy, go. He got in his car and then had a call from the security forces who were at his home, asking him where he was and demanding that he return immediately. He said he would think about it. He drove around for 45 minutes to an hour, wondering what on earth he should do, what his next step should be. He discipled several of those who had been arrested And suddenly, John chapter 10 came to his mind. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches them and scatters them. He knew what he had to do. He drove to his house and handed himself in, but not before he had taken the 17 New Testaments on the back seat of his car and put them on the pavement, hoping that some hungry souls who needed them would pick them up. He also smashed his mobile phone to smithereens. When he arrived outside his house, with his knees still knocking together, he was suddenly overwhelmed with a tremendous sense of peace. He found a crowd of neighbours in the street wondering what on earth, what sort of criminal they had had as a neighbour.
He was taken inside the house, kicked, punched in the head, thrown to the ground, and finally dragged to his office chair, where he was tied up to be interrogated. He was asked where Cyrus, a fellow pastor, was. He refused to answer, and each time, with each refusal, his interrogator stepped menacingly closer. All this time, another security officer was pointing a gun at his head from his side. He finally said, he's in Mashhad, which the security forces knew. He was taken to prison, where he spent the next 361 days in solitary confinement, in a cell six foot wide, seven foot six long, and with just three blankets and a wash basin. Nothing else, no other furniture. His exercise consisted in walking three and a half steps forward and three and a half steps back ad infinitum. The light was left on permanently. If he wanted to go to the loo, he had to ask an officer who took him blindfolded. The light was left on all the time. Alone in... Did he cry? Yes, five days after his arrest. It was his son's second birthday. He cried then. Alone in his cell, Farshid could testify, along with the Apostle Paul, as a prisoner, the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. He was in the general prison for a further four years. He didn't see his daughter for ten years. He has never seen his son again. Not all Christians in Iran go to prison. It's mainly the leaders, but all professing Christians do suffer persecution in some form. That's why we're supporting Elam Ministries this month to offer prayer and financial support to our brothers and sisters in Iran. To learn more about their plight, please do check out the notice board outside. There's a lot more information, a lot more general things than I've said, but I, I just wanted to give you that snapshot of one Christian because I think it brings it home just what is involved. And please do, those of you who've got Spotify, and if not, get it, please listen to the podcast called Jesus Speaks Farsi, F-A-R-S-I. Farsi is the language of Iran, the old language of Persia. Please listen to it. They are very, very powerful messages. I think you'll agree, Tony. <laughs> um, so, it's great listening. So please do listen either on your commute, on your run, or wherever else you are. You'll be rewarded. Thank you. You won't be able to read the writing on that prayer there, but it is on the notice board. Please do read it. It's quite moving. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Um, yeah. It is well worth finding out about more, more about what God's doing in Iran. In, in our, our country, there's a, a sort of sense that, is God doing anything? And sometimes people can say, well, what difference does it make being a Christian? 
And one of the things that I've enjoyed about listening to those podcasts Paul was talking about was their absolute certainty that Jesus loves them, that it's all worth it, and in the end they're going to be with Jesus. And, and, and it spoke to me about how great and how powerful our God is. So, don't just listen to sympathise, listen to learn. certainly did me good. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you that we come to the King of Kings, the Maker, the Creator of everything. And we're so glad that when we ask the question, is anything too hard for the Lord? We know the answer is no. We, we know that you are good, you are loving, and you are in control of everything. And we thank you for what you're doing in Iran. We thank you for the way that your people are so in love with you that nothing will stop them from sharing the good news about you. And we thank you for the hunger you've put in the hearts of many Iranians. And we pray that you'll keep them faithful. We ask that your truth will go to them more and more. And so that that country is transformed from its dark, repressive, awful life for so many people into the joy which comes through knowing you. Oh, Father, we do thank you for your love. And we thank you that many of us know your love for ourselves. We thank you that the good news of Jesus is freely available in our country. We thank you for the people who've heard about it in the Holy Reef evening and in the first steps. And we thank you for the plans that there are to to have many more opportunities. And we ask, Lord, that the good news will spread out. We pray that it will be good news that cuts through. Oh, Lord, we, we have so many more things than so many people in the world. Oh, Lord, we pray that our arms won't be too full, that people's hearts won't be too busy with stuff and things and what we have and the frantic pace of life. Oh, Lord, we pray you'll break through with your eternal love, your eternal truth. And we ask that knowing you will make a difference in our lives. Lord, as we come to hear about uh, your plan for families, your plan for relationships, oh, we pray that you will speak to us. We pray that you'll help us to live in a way that pleases you. And Lord, we know that we need your help in every part of our lives. And we know that some of us have got so many different concerns and worries, whether they're worries about health, whether they're grief and bereavement. Oh, Lord, you know. And we thank you that you tell us to cast our cares on you because you care for us. Oh Lord, I pray that you'll help us to do that now. Lord, you, you, you know what's, what's the big weight in each of our lives. Oh, 
Oh, Father, we pray that you'll come in. We pray that you will resolve that issue. We pray that your name will be glorified. We pray that you'll give us peace which passes understanding, love which is like your love. Oh, Lord, we pray great things, but we thank you we come to a great God. And we thank you that we have your word. We pray that you will help us to hear what you are saying to us. We pray that you will help us not to duck and to dive and to try and avoid what your word says. And we ask, Lord, that you'll help John as he explains it to us. So do be with us, we pray. Amen. We're going to send a sing, sing again. Uh, God sent his son. They called him Jesus. Let's uh, stand and sing when the music starts. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
So today we are going to be looking at some practical teaching about how God wants us to live in our families. And we've got two Bible readings. Um, The first is in Ephesians, and we're going to start reading at chapter 21. And then after that we're going to look at the passage that John is going to be teaching us from. So we're going to be um, reading from Ephesians chapter 5. And in the bit before the bit we're reading, he's talking about how good God is. And we start reading at verse 21. As we read, we're to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then we flow in to the next instructions of some specific things about how living for Jesus looks. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its saviour. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, Let each of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And then we have the passage in the letter to Colossians. It's in chapter 3, and we start reading at verse 18, and we're going to read through to 21. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for it pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. So John's going to be teaching us from that in a few minutes. But before that, um, let's sing again. Let's sing, blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love, the fellowship of kindred minds is like heaven. Let's join in singing.
So do look up uh, Colossians chapter 3 in your Bible, on your app. Uh, have we got a page number? If somebody's got it in one of the church Bibles, I'll write this down so that I know each time. Colossians 3, sorry? 984 if you've got a church Bible. 
God is interested in your family life, in your home life. A family life is his invention and uh, can be one of the happiest areas of our lives. A family life, like all things, is affected by the downfall of humanity. It's affected by brokenness, twistedness and sin. So it can also be one of the saddest areas of our lives. But family life is a big part of the life of so many people. And uh, even those not so directly involved with family life care about others who are. And God is interested in your family life. We're looking through what it is to live as a Christian, how somebody who's saved and forgiven, made new by Jesus, how they work this out in their everyday lives, their new life. And this message this morning shows that it includes family life. We often have a clear public and private divide. Well, God's not only interested in your life as you come out of the door, made up, ready, equipped for the day ahead, he's also interested in what's behind that door before you came out. If you have a a new life in Jesus, it will affect how you are on this site as you come uh, to gather together as church. It will affect your life with friends, It will affect your life at work, and we should hear more about that next week from Mark. But it will also, or should also, affect life at home. And here in Colossians, we see that God has a message for different groups. Old and young, male and female. But before we nosedive into the specifics, I want you to notice two general things in relation to family relationships and what we come on to in these verses. The first is that our family life is to be lived with an eye to the Lord. Verse 18 in our passage talks about what is fitting in the Lord. Verse 20 talks about this pleases the Lord. And this theme comes out even more in the Ephesians passage. So I want to say this. Some family situations are especially complicated. Maybe we feel our own family situation isn't as straightforward as what is portrayed in these verses. Couples are no longer together for a host of reasons. Some parents are single. Uh, Children in the same family have different parents. And I felt very sensitive about that in preparing for this morning. So remember, the key thing is that you live out your situation with an eye to the Lord, seeking to please him as you live out your everyday life. The Lord knows your situation. If you're a believer, the Lord has a special love for you. Seek to serve him in your situation. The other general principle which I picked up as the week went on, but it was very helpful for me, is that all four of them show an eye to serve others. 
All four of them have an eye to serve others, to help others. So live out your family life with an eye to the Lord and an eye to serving others. Those two general principles will be a great help in going forwards. Now there are others here I know who who feel uh, family life is not their, their current situation much. It might be in the future, but it, maybe it's not so much at the minute. But you, even now, are connected to people who are very involved with family situations and you care about them, don't you? And you want to pray for them and you want to be of help to them and you want to support them. So I suggest that this morning is very relevant to you as you connect with them and support them too. So we have four verses this morning, just four verses. We have four groups. There's more about most of them in Ephesians 5. So if you want a fuller sort of account, you can go through what we read earlier. But we're going to go through the four, and we're going to have a children's talk mid-sermon. So get ready for that, children. There's a children's talk mid-sermon. But let me read the verses again at the outset. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. First then, a word to wives. A word to wives. And the word especially to you from this passage, from God's word, is submit. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Submit. You say, what? Steady on. You say, that sounds like something from Afghanistan or or one of the oppressive Islamic Middle Eastern countries, a bit like uh, we've been hearing about this morning. You say, isn't that a callback to a bygone era when wives ended up like servants to selfish, egotistical, dictatorial husbands? have to be careful because we bring along a lot of baggage to a word like this, submit. Submit's actually a good word. It comes up in the Bible in different relationships and responsibilities and it's why things work well. Don't forget the setting of this submission. That's why we read Ephesians 5 and we started at verse 21. Before it goes on to the wives, it talks about submitting to one another in the fear of God. This submission is a two-way thing, as well as specifically for wives here. Don't forget what we have just read. What has God's word said that all new people in Christ should live like? And we looked at it in verses 12 to 14 where they were to put on things like compassion and kindness and humility and bearing with one another and forgiving one another and love. And that the understanding is that both people in the relationships are putting on that sort of attitude. And that's the setting of this word, this submission. Don't forget that Jesus does it. Jesus submits to his Father. He is equal with his Father 
but he submits to his father. He acknowledges the headship of his father. In the garden of Gethsemane, he said, not my will, but yours be done. Don't forget as well that it has, it has limits. It has limits. So the general principle is to come uh, under the leadership of the, the husband in, in the wide areas of life, in everything it says in Ephesians 5.24. But always in the Bible, submission to humans has its limits. So whether it be to the authorities that we have around us, whether it be to parents, whether it be to church leaders, there are, there are limits on the principle of submission. At the end of the day, we are to obey God rather than man, as it says in Acts 5. Abigail, in the Old Testament, had a very foolish husband and she had to ignore him and go behind his back because he was going to bring the whole house down and end the family life and do things which are grossly against God and God's chosen king. So, if your husband tells you not to read the Bible, you obey God rather than man. If your husband tells you to lie, you obey God rather than man. If your husband tells you to whack your child in uncontrolled anger, you obey God rather than man. But the norm is to submit... So what does it mean, submit? Why is that to submit? Well, the word means to, to subject. It really means to come willingly under the leadership of. To come willingly under the leadership of. In Ephesians, the word respect is used, and perhaps that has less connotations for us these days. There is an order within marriage. Uh, there is God's wisdom in this. God holds, I believe, husbands with an extra accountability for how the marriage goes. And so there should be a leadership from the husbands and a supportive willingness to come under that leadership from the wife. Now, a wise husband, a wise husband will love his wife's opinion. He will be very concerned for his wife's interest. He will realise that she has better insight than him in some areas, in fact in my experience in lots of areas, he will entrust her with large areas of responsibility but he will take an overall responsibility in the life of the family. And this leadership and submission, as time goes on, it becomes embedded and natural and harmonious and imperceptible. But there is a wife's submitting to husbands. So wives, do you respect your husbands? Maybe you feel it's a bit of a challenge at times. But this is God's word. Do you encourage them in, in their leadership of the family? Do you pray for them in that role? Or is your marriage a sort of constant tug of war with both vying for leadership? A word to wives. Wives, submit your husbands as is fitting in the Lord, like the Lord Jesus Christ has submitted himself to his Father. 
Well, maybe husbands, you've been sort of either literally or mentally nudging your wives in the first point. Well, I should take a little care because I think the elbow might uh, come back into your ribs as we move on to the second point. And our second point is a word to husbands. A word to husbands. And the word to you husbands is love. Verse 19, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Husbands, you have a simple word. It was repeated lots of times in Ephesians 5. Maybe you noticed it as we read through verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Look at this. As Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Verse 28. Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. Verse 33 in summary. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. You have a simple word, love. But it's not simple to do, is it? Did you love your wife through yesterday? Takes a while to think back to the day before, doesn't it? So I'll give you a moment. Were you concerned for her? Were you supporting her? Were you cherishing her? Were you wanting the best for her? Were you sacrificing some things for her? Were you as concerned for her as your own body, your own life? Or was it a day of your needs, your concerns, your priorities, your feelings? Husbands, love your wives. This would have been a bit of a surprise to them. They had, these are called household codes, and they had them around in this time. They're going through different family responsibilities. But as I understand it, it it, it wasn't expected that the word love would occur. It was more about order and responsibility. But here, husbands love your wives. That's the Christian view of it, you see. There's an extra line here. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And do not be harsh with them. We read a lot about domestic abuse, don't we, these days? It's a very sad thing to read about. It's a very sad thing to be so common. I know it can be from uh, the female in a relationship, but much more often it is from the male in a relationship. Getting physical with the wife in frustration, anger, behind closed doors. Does that happen behind closed doors in your situation? It mustn't in a Christian household. So inconsistent with Christ and his love. I heard a good bit of advice a couple of days ago. said, if you're tempted to get rough with your wife, then give her permission to phone your best man if it ever happens. That's why it's quite good, isn't it? Because it may be a temptation here. If there's a temptation to be rough with your wife, then acknowledging your weakness, your struggles, give her permission to phone your best man 
if it ever happens. I thought that was quite good. But it's not just physical. Hopefully it isn't physical. It can be rough words. It can be words which aren't hard, which aren't soft, words which don't care, words which are rough. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. On the wedding day, it's as if you sang words of affection like a lovebird. Do you now roar fire like a dragon over her? In the past, you called her honey. Do now your words spill over her like vinegar. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Care, nourish, delight. Uh, It's good to have illustrations outside of one's own interests, so here's a ballet illustration. There was, an Ingl- there was a great English uh, ballet dancer by the name of Margot Fontaine. And according to Classic FM, she was one of the top ten dancers of the 20th century. Uh, she was seemingly near the end of her career in her early 40s. And around that time, a Russian ballet dancer, Rudolf Nureyev, defected from his country. And he paired up with Fontaine and her career entered uh, a new phase. In fact, her best phase. He brought the best out of her as a dancer and she flourished. They danced many of the classics together. And the years that followed were the golden years of her dancing. One performance received 20 minutes of applause with 15 curtain calls. They were very different characters personalities. They were very different ages. He was much more her senior. But he brought the best out of her and she flourished for another 18 years. I know it's a good picture of what husbands should be seeking to do as they love their wives. Not harsh, but seeking for them to flourish even as the years go by. Husbands love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. We come on to our third. This is where the children get involved. So I have the children down the front for this one. A word to children. So, children's talk is now. So, if you come down the front, we'll have the children's talk down the front here for this bit. A word to the children. This is a bit different, isn't it? Word to the children. Of course, we've just got primary school here, but actually this word goes beyond primary school, so it's, it's, a, it's a good word for more than, than you, but it's something good for you. And there is something in here, in this passage, which is especially good for you. And if you're, if you're looking to please God in your life, if you're, if you're Christian, God has changed you, hopefully this is something you'll be really keen to do. I want all of you to be keen to do it. And the word to you, I'm going to put up, but it's got a couple of gaps. So I want somebody to read it in a minute, but say blank for the gaps, okay? And we'll try and get the gaps. Right. Okay, who can read and say some blanks? Okay, Annie, thank you. (laughs) Okay. 
Maybe that wasn't such a good idea for me to put it like that. Okay, what goes in the first gap? What do you reckon it is? That's a good word, isn't it? Children love your parents. I think that would be a good word. Uh, it's a different word here. What do you think it is? Obey. Children, let's have a look. Children, obey your parents. Obey your parents. That means do what they say. It also says to honour your parents elsewhere, to respect them and to do things that please them. Now, it carries on. Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the... What do you think that is? What do you think that is? This pleases... Well, you might think the parents. It probably does please the parents. It might please the brothers and sisters. It might please the aunties, the uncles. But for this pleases the Lord. So if you're looking to please the Lord in your life, one of the really big things for you is to obey your parents. Now, I'm going to tell you about four people. I've got Liam and uh, Lucy and Lily and Luke. And some of them obey their parents and some of them don't. I want you to tell me which, which side, which side should we put. So if they do, we'll put them down this side. If they don't, we'll put them down this side. Right. So, here's Liam. Okay. And Liam is, um, he's been playing in a friend's garden and uh, he comes back into their house. His mum calls out, did, did you have a nice time, Liam? Um, don't forget to take your trainers off in the hallway. But his sister is in the lounge with their new kitten and she's playing with him. And he can't wait. He thinks his mum won't notice. So he goes rushing into the lounge, the other end of the lounge, leaving behind him some big muddy footprints. So there's a lot of clearing up that needs to be done. Did Liam obey his parents? Which side? Point to which side then? That's, that's right, yeah, didn't it? Okay, now, here is Lucy. Right, Lucy's at a birthday party. She's having lots of fun. There, there's food and there's friends and there's games. And it's time up at the end of the, the party. The parents come and the person who's organising says, parents, it'd be really handy if, you're, uh, if your children could help clear up a bit. We've got to get off really quickly after this party. So um, Lucy's dad say, says, to, says to her, can you go and help clear up? They need people to clear up. Well, a lot of Lucy's friends can't be bothered and they just head off. But Lucy goes back to where she was playing in the area and helps picking up some of the leftover wrapping paper, some of the pop balloons, some of the bits of string and puts them in the bin to help clear up. Which side does Lucy go? Okay, good, getting the hang of this. It's Lily next. Right, Lily is, uh, Lily is playing on the sofa. She's at home on the sofa. She's playing a, a Roblox game. Have I got that right? There's a danger when you try and connect. They actually just you get it wrong. Have I got that right? Roblox game? Yep, good. Okay. She's playing a Roblox game and her dad says, when you, he says, when you finish, can you get ready for bed, please? Finish that game and then get ready for bed. And the game finishes really quickly, so she starts up another one. Okay, and then that finishes, and she starts another one. 
Dad, dad calls down, are you going to, are you going to, um, are you going to get ready yet? Coming soon, she says. Coming soon. And you know what? She finishes and she starts another one. And then her dad comes into the room and he's, he's quite cross. Are you coming? Are you coming, Lily? She finishes her last game and goes up. Which side? Which side does Lily go? That's right. I mean, did she obey in the end? Well, sort of. But she didn't delay when. She didn't obey when he said. It was delay. It was excuses. It wasn't straight away. Waited till her dad was cross. You find sometimes you wait until your mum or dad are cross before you do what they say. Or you wait until it really suits you. That's what Lily did. Here's one more. Luke. There's Luke. Right, Luke is round a friend's house and um, his friend has got some frightening horror, horror video clips. He's got some frightening horror video clips. And um, his mum and dad have, have told him not to watch things like this because they, they, they're not very good for his mind. They, stay on, they would stay on his mind and they give him nightmares. There's several friends there and they think it's a great idea to watch, watch some of these clips. Now Luke's going to feel a bit left out if he doesn't join in. But he respects his mum and dad and he, he knows that what they think is good. So he says, I'll, I'll, I'll go in the other room and I'll play on my phone for a bit and I'll uh, join you a bit later on. And he goes off in the other room, leaving them to look at the video clips. Which side? Okay. So, the Bible says, children, obey your parents. It says, don't be like a, a Liam and a Lily. And do be like a Luke and a Lucy. And I guess it's something to think about, isn't it? But if you're wanting to please the Lord in your life, have a think about obeying your parents. That is God's word for you. And you can think about it as you head back. Thank you. So we come to our last, a word to parents, that the dads will be pleased that they're not coming down the front for their word. <laughs> I've called it a word to parents in the passage. It is to fathers. So um, I wonder why it's fathers, because they're the leaders of the home, perhaps particularly, or maybe they're particularly prone to uh, go wrong at this point. I think it can be applied generally to parents. That's why I've called it a word to parents. What's the word to parents? Make sure your child obeys? Well, that's fair enough. That's a, a good thing to think about. You will help and bless your children if you instill obedience in them. But that's not what it says here. In the one word for parents, it says this. Fathers, do not pro provoke your children lest they become discouraged. 
it's possible to be harsh and unreasonable as parents. And uh, it makes our children um, low and unsure and, and want to give up. Fathers, don't provoke your children lest they become discouraged. It doesn't mean be sort of ultra softies and, you know, there's a place for firmness, there's a place for discipline, there's a place, I believe, for loving, restrained, physical chastisement. Get that in the Ephesians passage if we'd have looked at it. But don't provoke your children. How, how do you provoke your children? What do you think it means by this? Perhaps by being totally unreasonable in what we ask. Maybe when we don't appreciate their efforts, don't understand them as children. Maybe when they can never do enough to please us. There was almost a generation there, weren't there, where you sort of never showed children appreciation and love. You kept very distant. Uh, Perhaps when the punishment doesn't really fit the crime, it, it just helps us vent our own anger. Perhaps when we get sort of, when we sort of bark out petty and pointless commands. Parents, fathers, don't provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Just want to say a little thing to to wind up, round round off really, the four things that we've looked at, a word to wives, husbands, children, parents. I called it faith in family relationships. Um, And maybe as we've gone through, you think, well, actually you could have called it failure in family relationships. Failure in family relationships. I suspect we've heard a little bit of that. And maybe there is a place for some confession after this morning. Uh, confession primarily to God, first and foremost to God, but maybe to others as well. I'm sorry I haven't supported your leadership as my husband. I'm sorry I haven't loved you as my wife and that sometimes I've been harsh with you. I'm sorry, Mum, that I've often disobeyed you and haven't really taken seriously what you said. I've been delaying my obedience. I'm sorry, son, that uh, at times I've been over the top. Can you forgive me? The good news is that the sins taken away by Jesus on the cross, we read about a couple of chapters ago, includes family sins. Jesus has forgiven even these. For the person who has, does, 
put their trust in Jesus and turns to him for forgiveness. That lack of respect, that lack of love, that lack of obedience, that lack of self-control are taken away and there's forgiveness for family failures. It's good news. And the good news carries on really because as we have a new life in Jesus, we go forward helped by the Holy Spirit looking for life to be different so that as we go forward in the future days and weeks and months and years of our life, we, by God's help, resolve to live in this way with an eye to the Lord and an eye to serving the others in the situation. We want to be a respectful wife. We want to be a loving husband. We want to be obedient children. And we want to be restrained parents. So there's good news. Faith in family relationships and good news even for failure in family relationships. Let's leave it a moment for us to pray in response to this in a way which is appropriate for our circumstance and then we'll sing our last song. Well, our last song focuses on the way in which Jesus has been such a servant, a submissive servant, and the way he's come down and gone to the cross for our salvation. And it encourages us to serve, to serve in life, but to serve in our family too. From heaven you came, helpless babe, entered our world, your glory vowed, not to be served, but to serve and give your life that we might live.
Lord, we thank you for the wisdom of your word. We thank you for the way in which it speaks into such big chunks of our lives. We thank you for the things we've been able to think through this morning. We pray that where the word is particularly related to our situation, that you would help us to take it seriously and not to brush it off with excuses. Lord, we, we come to you seeking help. Each situation is different. And we pray for a deep-seated love and eye for you to please you in our circumstances and a real concern to help others in our family situations in the way in which we are. We have failed. Sometimes that feels very deep. Lord, we thank you that there is a saviour who comes to forgive even family sins. And if we have not come before to him, we pray that this morning's message may bring us to the foot of the cross in repentance and faith. And for others already Christians, we pray it will bring us with a fresh sense of wonder and marvel at the relief we have that Jesus was willing to come into this world to serve others, to go to the cross so that we might be liberated and forgiven and guiltless. And we praise you for him, praying in his name. Amen.